welcome. Good to see you at the five o'clock service this evening. We've been having a good day so far, and uh, especially with our guests, uh, Elim Sound. Anybody here this morning at all at any of the services? Oh, a few of you, quite a few of you not. And at the seven o'clock Holy Spirit ministry service tonight, uh, Elim Sound are going to lead us in an extended time of praise and ministry, just waiting on the Lord and seeing what he's going to do. And uh, I've got a word to bring on the feeding of the 5,000 and how wherever you've got, God wants to break, bless, and give to the multitudes. Amen. But uh, next Sunday, uh, Scott has already mentioned about the fact that this is creation week for us. Well, next Friday evening is going to be a great evening. Great to bring Friends of yours, you know you have friends and colleagues and they say, oh, I don't believe in God, there's no evidence. Well, Friday night's a night to bring them. Say, come along, come and hear the evidence that creation has that speaks that God exists and it will be a powerful evening because when people say, oh, I don't believe in God, there's no evidence, most of them have not even bothered to hear the evidence or they haven't had a chance to hear the evidence. So call their bluff and bring them along this Friday evening. It could change their lives forever. Not only will it change their lives forever, we pray, but it will also strengthen our lives and, and our belief in God. I mean, the 2.30 service, if you're able to be at that, I'm not expecting you to be at all the services, sounds like it, doesn't it? But the 2.30 service, speaking on dinosaurs and the Bible, was just just so strengthening. And it was wonderful to see so many of the kids and children there at the front because, you know, children know about dinosaurs. They knew, they knew the names better than the adults did. Um, but then, you know, they, they're told the rest of the lie, aren't they? Um, about millions and millions of years ago and all this type of stuff and evolution. So to see them there hearing the science and the word of God was, was good. And next Saturday is just going to be a great day. From nine till four, we're going to have different seminars, some seminars you can choose, and uh, we're going to have a special creation stall with all different types of books and tapes and uh, little flyers so that we can just resource our region together and all our churches and ourselves and our individuals and just strengthen us and be encouraged that God is the creator. He is the great scientist. You know, Jesus is a scientist, you know that. I mean, he created it all, and he knows about it all. We don't fear science. We've got nothing to fear from science. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And the Bible and science are not in opposition. On the contrary, they are in partnership. So we've got a good week going on and a good evening tonight. Oh, and Lawrence will be with us. Um, next five o'clock service, next Sunday, for a special five o'clock service where he's going to speak about evangelism in the 21st century. And, and he'll be saying, really, you know, these, this is, th these are the different ways that we can really connect with people in our modern day and age. The gospel remains the same, but its packaging and its delivery alters throughout the generations. But today, we are finishing our three-week series on the benefit of speaking in tongues. And in this last session, I want to bring a few things together that I've mentioned over the last two weeks and extend them also a little, uh, a little more than I have done. Behind me is the picture of a dam. And last week when I was speaking on tongues, I spent quite a bit of time using this illustration from Bill Hammond's book, 
on 70 Reasons for Speaking in Tongues. This really is a wonderful book. Um, you know, I've studied tongues for a long while and spoken tongues for a long while, uh, but when I got this book by Bill Hammond, it was such, so fresh, such a blessing, such an encouragement. And you can get this on Amazon, you can get it hard copy or you can get it electronically, but if you really want to get into deeper understanding of the value of speaking in tongues and, and you like what you've heard and you say, I want a bit more, then this book, 70 Reasons for Speaking in Tongues, is an excellent book. And in that, in that book, Bill Hammond gives the illustration behind me of speaking in tongues being like a dam. And we're going to refresh that a little bit later for those of you that are new, but we're going to go elsewhere. I'd like to start where I started last week in John chapter 7 and verse 37. John chapter 7 and verse 37. This is very important for our understanding of the power of tongues. John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is prophesying the day of Pentecost, and he's explaining what's going to happen on the day of Pentecost. And he is saying this, if you're thirsty, you're going to drink. He's going to pour out the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out into human beings' lives, and where is it going to be poured out? It's going to be poured out into our heart or our innermost being. Romans speaks about the fact that the Father poured out his love through the Spirit into our heart. Now, this word I mentioned last week, I really want you to get this. This word for heart is actually a Greek word, koilos. And it doesn't mean heart. The Greek word for heart is cardia. But this word koilos means cavity, a big cavity, an empty space. And so what Jesus is saying is right at the core of your life, there is a empty space that was made to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, this makes sense because mankind was not created in the first instance to be without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We were created to be spirit-filled, you know that. Adam and Eve were spirit-filled. And so when God designed human beings, he designed them spirit-filled. That's how he designed us, spirit-filled. So Adam and Eve, when they were walking in the garden, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in their innermost being, in that cavity. It was just full and overflowing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most important person on planet Earth today. He is the ambassador of God. He is the one that brings the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And he is the one that ministers through us. Those that are sons of the living God are led by the Spirit of God. The key to your success in this life is the Holy Spirit. He, he is the quest of human life. 
And so Jesus is saying, it's better that I go away because I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit and he's going to fill you. And on the day of Pentecost, men and women were filled, spirit-filled properly, because others had had touches of the Spirit, but not properly, spirit-filled, first time since Adam and Eve. Spirit-filled. And how did it manifest itself? Jesus gives us a clue. He says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So how did those rivers of the Holy Spirit flow out of the disciples on the day of Pentecost? Where did it find the gate through which it could come out of their innermost being as they got filled to overflowing on the innermost being? Where did the overflow flow out? It flew out, flew, flowed out of their mouth. Speaking in tongues. Remember what I said. I'm going over old ground because it's still new ground. Because most Pentecostals have forgotten what we were birthed in. We used to be called the tongues movement a hundred years ago. Do you know that? The tongues movement. Pentecostals were, were, had to start churches because they were thrown out of other churches. Why? Because they spoke in other tongues. We were the tongues movement. I don't think we'd be called the tongues movement today. And that's what we're hoping to fix. The tongues movement. Because tongues was at the heart of their experience of Pentecost. And so there on that day, the fire came on their heads, but we never saw fire again, did we? The wind blew on that first day, but it didn't blow when the Samaritans got filled with the Spirit, when the Gentiles got filled with the Spirit, when the disciples of John got saved with Paul and got filled with the Spirit. There was no wind, there was no sound of rushing wind, there was no fire, but there was tongues. The whole debate on whether Gentiles had been saved or not was, was um, won by the fact that they'd received the Holy Spirit. Hey, if they're speaking in tongue, God must have cleansed their hearts by faith. They were tongue talkers. And so speaking in tongues is that which brings the flow of God through us. Behind us, we have the picture of a reservoir. And like I said, Bill Hammond used it as an illustration. Now, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're like an, for the first time, you're like an empty reservoir. You are empty and you are hungry and you are thirsty. Jesus said, if anybody is thirsty, come to me. If you look out into the world today, it's just full of thirsty people. I'm not talking about physical thirst. I'm talking about spiritual thirst. And that thirst is for the living water that is the Holy Spirit. Out there in London right now, there are people without Christ that are so motivated by this huge empty reservoir that they are trying to fill the emptiness in their innermost being with whatever they can fill it with. Money, sex, power, status, entertainment, recreation, alcohol, drugs... Whatever it might be, it's different for different people. They are trying to fill that reservoir. They are thirsty. And you know, when, when in the natural, when you are so, so thirsty, you'll even drink poisoned water. And this is the problem, trying to get water to different parts of the Philippines, where the water has become contaminated. But I tell you what, what, what are you going to do with a child if you've got no water? No water at all in the end. It's just too much. You've got to give them, and you give them dirty water to drink. 
because they are so thirsty. That's what the world is like. But aren't you glad that Jesus said, I'm going to send not poisoned water or not water that will destroy you, but I'm going to, I'm going to quench your thirst with the Holy Spirit, but not just quenched your thirst, you're going to be so filled with overflowing that out of your mouth and out of your life is going to come power. And so we have this reservoir, huge, spiritual. I mean, don't underestimate the size of your innermost being. You say, well, I'm just a little person. I'm only five foot or four foot. I mean, I, I don't have a... It's spiritual. And your spiritual innermost being is massive. Massive. But it's not just enough to be filled like a reservoir. Because that reservoir behind me, if there's no outflow, it doesn't produce power. I mean, that reservoir, wouldn't it be lovely? There it is. You could go fishing on it. Go diving on it. How lovely to have a reservoir like that. But a reservoir is not just there to hold water. A reservoir is a power-producing plant. And I won't go into all the details because it was last week's sermon. You can see in the picture behind me, what happens is when they open those doors, those water gates in the reservoir, what happens? Then the pressure and all that water, it begins to come out of those water gates. As it comes out, it begins to turn mechanical turbines. As those turbines turn, they touch dynamos, and those dynamos turn mechanical energy into electrical power. Remember I gave you the illustration of when I had my chopper in the 70s, and my dad bought me a dynamo light, and you put it on the front and attached it to the wheel. And whenever you're pedaling, you're pedaling power, and the light starts to shine. It's converting pedaling energy, mechanical energy, into electrical energy. And then when you stop pedaling, it stops shining. Well, that's a picture of what happens when you speak in other tongues, as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. What you are doing is you are producing power when you speak in tongues. You are edifying yourself. So if we now go, and this is where I want to spend some time today, to 1 Corinthians 14. I mentioned in the first session that the problem in Corinth wasn't that they were speaking in tongues, but the problem was they didn't understand that there are two types of speaking in tongues in the New Testament. There is a personal speaking in tongues that you receive when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is personal. It's for you. And when you speak in tongues, as we'll see, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. You produce power. You speak mysteries. That is the personal gift. If I was to start speaking in tongues using my personal gift right now for the next half hour, by the end of the half hour, I'd be fully charged, fully strengthened, but you would have received nothing. Why? Because it's a gift for me. You'd have to speak in tongues with me for half an hour. Wouldn't be a bad idea if we all did that together. We'd strengthen ourselves. That's, that's the personal gift. But there is also another gift of tongues that is one of the nine gifts that we find in 1 Corinthians 12. Gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of word of knowledge, gifts of prophecy, and gift of tongues with interpretation. These gifts are not for the individual exercising them. They're to bless the body of Christ. I can't manufacture or produce a healing whenever I want. 
I can't, you can't bring me every sick person. I can say, right, I choose to heal them. Why? Because the gift of healing is from the Holy Spirit as he manifests. Now, I can seek the Lord to be used by it, and, and, I, and, and if I seek him, he will use me in it, but only always according to his will. You hear what I'm saying? I can't produce a miracle at will. Why? Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit through us that produces miracles. We can say, use me more in the miracles, and we can seek him for a miraculous ministry, but in the end, it's always the Holy Spirit. And the same with this particular type of tongue. This particular type of tongue, tongue, <laughs> tongue, tongue, out of your tummy shall flow rivers of... This particular type of tongue, I can't do when I want. I can't do it. I can do my other personal tongues whenever I want. But this particular type of tongue, just like a healing or a miracle or a prophecy, it's got to be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will manifest this tongue, and then when he's finished, it will go. And then we'll seek God for an interpretation, and that will be a prophetic word to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what's happening in the Corinth is this. They're mixing up the two gifts, and what they're doing is they're just using their own personal tongues for encouragement. And then instead of preaching, Paul said, I'd rather hear five words from you from the platform that will bless me than hundreds of speaking in tongues that doesn't make any difference to me. And so this is what we're talking about when we come into this passage. And let's, let's, let's go a bit deeper. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. That he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. It's a prayer language. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Straight away, we are seeing that tongues is a language. It is a mystery. When you're speaking in tongues, you're not, just spe- you're not speaking babble or baby language of no value. But you are actually, when you're speaking in tongues, you are talking to the Father. Speaking to the Father. And you are speaking directly from your spirit man on the inside of you to to God the Father. And not only that, you are speaking as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. He is giving you the words, the tongues to speak to the Father. That's why every time you speak in tongues, you should approach it as if you were speaking in tongues for the first time. One of the biggest things we have to deal with in charismatic Christianity today is mind-faked tongues. You say, what do you mean mind-faked tongues? I mean the fact that, as we'll see, when you, when you pray in a tongue, your mind is not praying. It's unfruitful. It's your spirit. But what happens is your mind picks up some words, shimmy, shimmy, shoo, Shimmy, shimmy, shoo. Shimmy, shimmy, shoo. And and maybe that's from the Spirit. And then your mind goes, I can do that. I can do that. And so next time you start speaking in tongues, you're not speaking in faith. You're not open to any words coming out of your mouth. But you're like, oh, shimmy, shimmy, shoo. And you begin to mimic. Or your mind just begins to pick up on a few tongue-sounding like words that you've done. And it's not the Holy Spirit. Now you say, well, does that mean if I speak any type of word twice? No, it's your attitude. When you speak in tongues, you have to stop and say, right. Remember the first time you spoke in tongues? 
And someone's saying, you're going to speak a language. You go, but I don't know what I'm going to say. No, don't worry. You speak and God will give you the language as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. And you're like, oh, my mind doesn't really understand this. How can I speak when I don't know what I'm going to say? Believe him. Do it. Step out. And then you begin and you, don't, and you begin to utter words that don't come from your mind. And it's strange. It's a strange tongue. And you don't know what's going to come out. And that's how it should be every single time. And if you do that every single time and your tongue sounds the same as it's done before, don't worry about it. It's the fact that you're ready to speak in any syllable or any type of language. And sometimes when I speak in tongues, it sounds a bit Italian. Sometimes it sounds a bit Chinese, not saying it is. Sometimes I've got this Brazilian sounding thing at the moment. And I'm going, that sounds Brazilian. It's not Brazilian, but it sounds like Brazilian. I'm thinking, why? And I'm sort of like, I'm thinking, I want to stop. I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. And, and, and I'm thinking, don't, Bruce, just speak what comes. Speak what comes. So at the moment, I've got this Brazilian sounding tongue when I'm praying in the morning. And like, I keep thinking, God, can I have something different, please? Because, and it's, and it's like, just, just speak what comes. This is the fact, just speak what comes. And so, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Be open, but don't shut down what the Holy Spirit's going to say. Don't think, you know, I'm only going to use this vowel or that vowel. Just be open. This is why speaking in tongues is a personal thing. This is why your best tongues is done when nobody else is around. Because then you can get real weird. When I say weird, what I mean is supernatural. Because you should not control your tongues. Or you should not come into a place of embarrassment where you go, oh, I don't, wanna, I don't like, this is a bit weird what I'm speaking. Sometimes the weirdness of human, of human is the wisdom of God. So we're speaking mysteries. And he who prophesies, verse 3, edifies and exhorts, because they're speaking in a language that people can understand. But he who is, verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I said that this word means build yourself up. It's a word that they use for building houses, strengthening yourself. Speaking in tongues was the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It was the gift that the Holy Spirit brought. And it's the gift that the Holy Spirit will bring to all that want to be fully baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not fire, not wind, but the gift. The Holy Spirit could have brought any gift, but he brought the gift of tongues. And as we'll see, Paul said, I value this, even though you're misusing it. I value it more than all you people misusing it because I do it more than you all. And so if you speak in a tongue, you build yourself up, which means if you don't speak in tongues on a regular basis, there is some building up and strengthening in your life that is not taking place. I've been saying that we should be speaking in tongues at least 15 to 20 minutes a day. If a minister, if a Pentecostal minister does not speak in tongues for at least 20 minutes each day, okay, sometimes you don't do it here or there, but regularly, you know, basically, I'm not making it a law, but if you're not speaking in tongues as a minister, 20 minutes a day, most every day, don't even call yourself Pentecostal. You're not Pentecostal, and you won't be moving in Pentecost. You hear what I'm saying? And so I'm going to get to where we need the breakthrough. We need this. I've been speaking and we've been releasing our prayer manuals. 
and our prayer diaries and our Bible reading diary, which is part of that. Why? Because in order, us, order for us to function in today's demon-infested society, if you're not in the Word and you're not speaking in tongues most days on a daily basis, forget it. For, don't get out of bed in the morning. Stay in bed. Get that duvet and put it right over your head. Put smooth FM on and hide. Because you're not fit to deal with society. Often Christians are barely keeping their head above the waters of life. And it's because they're not in the word and they're not in the spirit. Man does not live by bread alone. If you're not in the word every day, then, then, then you're not going to be feeding on God's word. You won't be strong. And so one of the major problems in Christians' lives today, one of the major, if not the major problem, you say, well, Christians have many problems. It's because they're not in the word and they don't speak in tongues. It really is that simple. It really is that simple. Speaking as someone who speaks regularly in tongues on a daily basis, I can tell you, the difference before speaking in tongues regularly and after, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. And I've given you testimonies about how this works. It edifies you. It strengthens you. Verse 5, Paul, I desire, that, it's not I wish you all spoke with tongues. It's I desire. It's I fellow is the Greek word, fellow. And fellow means it is my will. So it's not that some Christians get the gift of tongues and some Christians God won't give it to. Any born-again Christian that wants the gift of tongues can not only have it, they are entitled to it. Jesus died for many things, sins first, but he also died so that you could speak in other tongues and edify yourself. So I'm not having that. Well, you've got the gift of tongues. God gives another gift to somebody else. The gift of tongues is for every believer that wants it. And Paul says, I will, I desire that you all speak in tongues, but in a church gathering that you prophesy so that you can edify and build up the church. Remember, the Corinthians are unbalanced, not because they're speaking in tongues too much, but they're using their personal tongues in a public place which is not blessing anybody. Now, let's move down a little bit. Verse 10, 1 Corinthians 14. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none without significance. Speaking in tongues is a genuine language. It is spirit language. Spirit language. Mentioned last week, want to drive it home again this week, that on the day of Pentecost, when they spoke in other tongues, as they were speaking in other tongues, in the streets, people from all over the known world were hearing them praising God in their own language. It was like the reverse to what happened at the Tower of Babel. Before that tower was being built, everybody spoke the same language. But when God judged the arrogance of their heart as they built that tower against him, he took their languages and he 
scattered their languages into many languages, which caused them to form groups and to dissipate across the, the earth. But on the day of Pentecost, God's new people that were to come from every tribe and every nation were given a new common language. It's speaking in other tongues. And that was the importance. They were speaking in other tongues. These Jewish fishermen, they couldn't speak in all the languages that people were talking about. They could speak Aramaic, a bit of Hebrew, perhaps a bit of um, a Greek for trade purposes. They couldn't speak all these different languages. They were just speaking in other tongues. But what was happening was the people that were hearing them saying, we're all hearing these tongues in our own language. God was saying, I've got a new language to unite the world. Isn't it amazing? Wherever you are in the world, if you go into a Pentecostal gathering of saints and you begin to speak in other tongues, you're one. They may sing choruses in one language and you don't know, understand what they're talking about. You may need an interpreter to interpret your preaching. But when we all begin to praise the Lord in other tongues, or all begin to intercede in other tongues, the beautiful sound of a united people, no matter what creed or colour they are, no matter what language or part of the world that they are, they are from, when you get people from every language coming together and speaking in other tongues, they are united in a common language. And that language has purpose. That language has information. That language is real. It's not without significance. It, it, when you're speaking in tongues, you are speaking mysteries. Now that mysteries just means that you don't actually know at that moment what you're speaking, although God can bring that out later. But you're speaking a language. This is why tongues is so wonderful, because when you're speaking it with faith, it's the perfect prayer language. Perfect prayer. When you pray with your mind... Often your mind can wander or your mind already has made up opinions about how this prayer should be answered. But when you speak in other tongues, it's God giving you the words. This is why you can set the tone of your day by speaking in other tongues. Because you are speaking over things that you don't yet know are going to happen. But God knows. And when you speak in other tongues in the morning, the Holy Spirit has given you the language to cover your day. It's a little bit like um, when, when, when you're on your computer and you download onto the hard drive. You're on the internet or the cloud. And you say, oh, I need that song or I want that document. It's on the cloud. And what do you do? You begin to download it takes a while, and then suddenly you've got that information, that song, that document down on your hard drive for when you need it. Speaking in tongues is like that. When you're speaking in tongues, you are downloading mysteries and the wisdom of God into your life. You're not just powering up and charging your batteries, you are, but you are also setting in motion the course of your day. You are downloading into your spirit Information from the cloud, not the iCloud, the God cloud, the kingdom of heaven cloud. So that when that time comes, what you have downloaded, what you have spoken, what you have prayed through in your spirit, it will be illuminated in your mind. It will come. I've told you, I just, I can't even count the amount of times 
during the days that I've been speaking in regular tongues, when I've been in a situation and I've had an insight, and I've thought to myself, that's tongues this morning. Now, you can have insight without tongues, but I'm telling you, I know when there's a connection or a situation takes place, and I don't react according to the flesh, I'm not saying I never do, but something happens, there's wisdom, there's a, it gives you, it's like I said last week, it gives you the edge, because you've prayed up, you've prayed this thing through, even if you don't know what you've prayed through, you've prayed it through, and a revelation comes. The times I've spoken in tongues, and something, even during tongues, sometimes there's a lag during the day, I suddenly get a word from the Lord, or a picture from the Lord, or a prophetic thing from the Lord. And I know it's because I've charged myself up in prayer, I've downloaded from heaven in speaking in tongues, and during the day, it's just starting to reveal itself. But even during speaking in tongues, sometimes something will drop down into my spirit and then into my mind. I have a picture or a word of wisdom. The the speaking in tongues is the door to the gifts of the Spirit. Speaking in tongues sensitizes you to spiritual things. How do you sensitize yourself to things of the Spirit? How do you do it? One of the problems today is we are so insensitive the things of the Spirit, because this world is so sensory, so physical, so bodily. Everything that's thrown at us from television, light, it's all there to stimulate the five senses. And we become so sensory that our five senses, our sight, our feeling, our smell, our touch, our hearing, these things are overstimulated. <laughs> It's like my daughter is um, severely disabled and autistic, on, on autistic, and you've got to be careful. Don't overstimulate someone that's autistic. You've got to be careful. You've got to watch, because if, if you overstimulate their senses, it's too much for them. Well, we are overstimulated. This world says that all there is is the physical senses. And we become so tuned to the physical senses, we become tuned out of the things of the Spirit. And spiritual things are taking place all the time. And the Holy Ghost is trying to speak, but we're tuned out because we're so sensory. Paul calls it carnal, fleshly, sensory. But when you're in the Word, the Word sharpens you. The Word of God sharpens you. It pulls you back. The Word of God, Hebrews 4 says, is two-edged sword, cutting between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. So when the Word of God is preached, you see, what am I doing right now? If there's any anointing on what I'm preaching, I'm sensitizing you to the things of God and I'm pulling you out of the sensory realm and I'm hoping that something of God is switching things on in your life, that I'm awaking those spiritual ears, those spiritual eyes, those spiritual feelings within you. That's what worship does and tongues does that as well. Tongues edifies your speak. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And as you speak it in tongues properly and with faith, what's happening is you're becoming sensitive to yourself as a spirit. Because you know yourself, don't you, as a physical being. You say, how do I know myself as a physical being? Ouch, there, just there, that's me, physical being. You know yourself as a mental being, you're thinking right now, you're thinking, you know yourself. How do you know yourself as a spiritual being? 
Because the spiritual being that you are, if you're born again, you're a new creation, you're perfect. Do you know that? Your spirit is perfectly saved. That's why we need to live out of our spirit, the inner man, not the outer man. And so how do you know yourself as a spirit? Can't feel Bruce the spirit. Can't feel him. Can't try to analyse him with my mind, but can't grab him intellectually. So how do I know myself as a spirit? Well, when the word gets into my life, my word starts making my spirit vibrate, if I can use that word. I, I can feel God's word and God's spirit resonating with my spirit. But also when I'm speaking in other tongues, it says earlier, it says later on in this passage, when you speak in tongues, your mind doesn't profit. I've switched the mind off. And my spirit is now speaking with words given by the Holy Spirit. And I'm speaking in other tongues. And I'm sensitizing myself to God the Spirit. I'm sensitizing myself to my own spirit. And I'm sensitizing myself to spiritual things that are taking place behind me. The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit. Spiritual things are more powerful and real than natural things. Praise the Lord. So, if I pray in a tongue, verse 14, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I'll pray with the spirit and I'll also pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the spirit. I'll also sing with the understanding. We looked in verse 21 where Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, 21, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they have not heard me. And we, we went in that passage, and we went to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. Paul is using Isaiah 28, verse 11 to talk about what tongues do. And in that, Isaiah 28, verse 11, quoted by Paul about speaking in other tongues, it says, Isaiah 28, 11, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. What is the refreshing? Speaking in tongues is the rest and refreshing. Speaking in tongues will build you up. It will refresh you. It will refresh you. I gave you the picture of the living water coming through. I gave you the picture of, you know, these streams and these a lovely, beautiful stream with clear water and someone comes along with their three dogs and the dogs jump into the water and splash around and all the dirt and the soil and all the residue gets, gets thrown up and all of a sudden that, that stream is dirty and black and you can't see through it. It was clear but you can't see through it. Life does that to our spirits some days, our souls. Sometimes the things that we go through, sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's others, but things get into our, our lives, our inner man, and things are thrown up. Things from the past, things from the present. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it gets into your flow, into your life. Well, speaking in tongues, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Speaking in tongues cleanses the flow of your life. Out of your innermost being, 
It comes in and it clears that water out, just like the stream, fresh water coming down. And after a while, there's no signs that the dogs have ever been there. You know, one of the greatest ways of releasing the fruit of the Spirit is by speaking in other tongues. There's other ways, but I'm talking about tongues today. Speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives you. I tell you what, if you hate somebody, if you really can't stand someone, I defy you to speak in tongues for 10 minutes thinking about them and then, and then hate them at the end. You won't do it. You won't do it. You won't do it. If you have anger, I found that if you have anger or envy or bitterness, one, there's other things you can do. One of the best things you can do is speak in authentic tongues. Just You just begin speaking in other tongues and you just say, God, there's some bad stuff inside me right now. I'm just letting the river flow. I'm just flowing I'm, and I'm just bringing this to you and you can feel something on the inside beginning to flow and that stuff beginning to come out of you. And you probably have to do it in two hours again, but still, it works. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, the speaking in tongues, to get in a flow, to get God flowing on the inside of you, moving on the inside of you. No wonder we were called the tongues people a hundred years ago. Because the only difference between us and the other people was tongues. When it came down to it, when it came down to it, the only difference between us and the others was tongues. But it was the power of speaking in the other tongues that got the message of Pentecost all the way around the world. The greatest missionary move of all time started 100 years ago, still going today, was launched through a tongues movement. You say, well, aren't you overemphasizing tongues? The greatest move of God in the Bible started on the day when they received the gift of tongues and the gift of tongues came on the day of Pentecost and it was the tongues people of the book of Acts that brought the gospel as far as Rome. And Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, Paul had a lot on his plate. I mean, this man, when you look at his life, incredible. Incredible what he suffered. Incredible what he did. Incredible what he wrote. Incredible how he imparted. The miracles, incredible, incredible. I know he had a gifting that was apostolic. But he said to these charismatic gamesters in Corinthians who were playing games, he said, stop messing around. Stop messing around. You preach the word when you're in a congregation. You stop messing around. And, ah, well, Paul, we have such great trophies, such great gifts. Paul said, let me tell you something. I speak in tongues more than you all. But I do it for a purpose. I do it because I need to. It's not just some little tag on at the end of a song, you know, oh, we're all praising the Lord and then we come to a place in a song, we don't know what to do, let's speak in tongues for, for three minutes, if that. 
I used to go to a charismatic church. Whenever they used to sing a slow song, at the end of it, there'd be a tail off, there'd be a weak bit of tongues. And that was like their tradition. We have to be careful of our traditions. Sometimes we just move into motor mode. It's like, right, it's a prayer meeting. You've seen it. All right, that's pretty good. But when was the last time you prayed in your personal life? Don't, don't come out. Don't, don't do come to the prayer meeting. But don't start showing off at the prayer meeting with your Rocco Roccos. Rocco Takapaka. A little, little, get a bit jerk in there. Rocco Get a bit of jerk in there. Down at the prayer meeting, Pentecostal prayer meeting. What's your tongues like in the morning? What's your tongues like at night? You know, you, I, nearly, I nearly got you all to speak in tongues at the beginning just to hear how your tongues is. Because what happens is when you speak regularly in other tongues as the Spirit leads you, there becomes a quality, a quality of tongues. And sometimes I can tell the quality and the quantity of someone's tongue's life. Not always, so don't, you know, don't want you to think, oh, don't speak in tongues around Bruce. <laughs> so I'm not saying always, I'm not trying to, but, but sometimes I can, sometimes I can, I can, sometimes, I can hear someone speaking in tongues and I can think, wow, that person speaks in other tongues on a regular basis. This is part of their life. You can hear it, you can hear it. There's an authenticity and there's a fluidity and when I say fluidity, it can, be, it can be a very strange tongue, but there's a, there's a freedom, there's a liberty. It's like any language, isn't it? I got a, a good friend of mine, and I was speaking to him on Facebook um, called Andrew, and he is as English as they come. I mean, as English as they come. He was the, a son of a lord, and, um, or grandson, oh no, the nephew of a lord. And he's as, he went to Cambridge and all these, these things, and he's just as English as they come. And he married a, a lovely German girl many years ago and moved over to Germany. And um, they've got lovely kids and everything like that. And I, I, I was asking him on Facebook, I was saying, so, you know, do, do you dream in German? Because you've been there so long speaking in German. So I was thinking, you know, do you dream in German? And he said, sometimes I find myself dreaming in German, sometimes in English. And I said, do you wake yourself up much? Because... German's such a loud language, I think that people must wake themselves up if they dream in German. Do you know what I'm saying? Best, a language best shouted, I think. And I said to him, so do you wake? He said, no, don't be rude. And then he said to me, he said to me, but he said, sometimes I find it difficult in my English. I said, no way. He said, yeah. He said, he said I'm worried that if I don't come back to England enough times, that by the time I'm 60, I won't be able to speak English. I thought that was interesting because... He's practicing a language, and the more he speaks the language, the more it's becoming who he is in his expression. He even dreams sometimes in this second language. And he's like saying, sometimes I stumble over my English. And I think people with two languages know, don't they, that sometimes your, your language, if you don't speak it, you, you, get, you get into the flow. I don't know what that's like, but you do. Well, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same in speaking in tongues. I mean, I remember Robert Sledden when he first came to Kensington Temple and he came with a very strong message of speaking in other tongues. And um, there were times when, when he was in the spirit on the platform. I remember this. Times when he was in the spirit on the platform 
And he would move into tongues, and then he would have to force himself back into English. Because he was so used to speaking in other tongues, he was going through such a season of speaking in other tongues, that it was like becoming his first language. And because he was spending so much time speaking in other tongues, sometimes when he began to minister, he's speaking in tongues and he had to stop himself and say, stop, get back to English. Because it was so, he was so used to it, it was so supernaturally natural in his life. Now, I'm not saying that we should get to those levels immediately. I'm just using these things as thought-provoking illustrations for us. But one thing I am convinced of is that alongside the strength of God's word in our lives, speaking in other tongues, in all its varieties. You see, when you speak in other tongues, it's praising God sometimes. When they spoke in other tongues in the day, we hear them praising God. So you can praise God in speaking in other tongues. Sometimes speaking in tongues can become intensely intercessory. And this is, this is why there's varieties of tongues. Sometimes you're building yourself up. Sometimes you find yourself moving into a strange tongue. And when you do that, you should be asking the Holy Spirit what's happening here. When I'm speaking in tongues regularly on a daily basis, sometimes I, because I'm open, I'll speak at whatever you want me to, Lord. Sometimes I find my tongues shifting in its style in the way it's spoken, sometimes it'll be very smattering, very jerky, very, you know, very much like they say with a stuttering. Sometimes I'll get a stuttering tongue. Sometimes it's almost like a machine gun. Sometimes I'll get a slow tongue. And, and during these times, as you're speaking in other tongues, sometimes the Holy Spirit can lead you in. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes I've spoken very strong, aggressive tongues. And at the end of it, I thought, I don't know what that was about, but I've shifted it. I don't know what wall I came up then, but that speaking in tongues was a warfare tongue. I mean, that was aggressive. That was, that was just what the way I was led. Not led by how I feel. You don't speak in tongues according to how you feel, but according to how the Holy Spirit leads you. And you're batting away, battering away at something, and then all of a sudden, bang, 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 then suddenly it softens. And you think, wow, wow, some, something, something. I hit something there. Other times there's more praise. Other times it feels like petition. I don't know. I'm describing things I don't even understand. My mind can't understand them. But the ver varieties of tongues, the diversities of tongues, it's, it's such a wonderful language. The most wonderful language on earth is speaking in other tongues. The most diverse language on earth is speaking in other tongues. The, most, the language that delivers most power on earth is speaking in other tongues. It is the greatest language ever spoken by humanity in the history of the world. So as a close, I ask you, speak in tongues a little bit more than you are. God bless you.